What's up, everybody? Jay Miller here, back again with another Productivity in Tech podcast. I hope you're having an excellent day, and I hope that the conversation that I'm about to have right now is going to make it even better. On the line with me, I have an NYU grad, currently a full-stack software engineer, and you can often catch him learning and hacking away on Twitch, the one, the only, Wayne Jones, coming all the way from New York City, Wayne, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing all right. Just chilling. The weather's nice, so enjoying it. So this is this is one of the the cool conversations that I, I've had just recently of like this idea of connecting with more and more developers online that are like not giving keynote speeches and then you gotta like try to send an email out and be like hey sir my you know if you'd be on my podcast like <laughs> being able to catch people on twitch doing cool stuff and uh man it's interesting because i've been watching a lot of the coding stuff that you've been doing lately and i'm i feel like i'm annoying you at times because it's just like <laughs> hey man i know i know you're just trying to show that you can do this but shouldn't that be like that <laughs> <laughs> Nah, like I, I love the um the coding community on Twitch and it's very fun, like very helpful as well, especially if I go into a roadblock when it comes to coding and not necessarily knowing how to solve a solution. Um community is definitely there to help. Um so yeah. How how has that been? Cause I I just got into like doing a lot more like coding live streams and I've noticed more and more like you have a couple of types of folks that come into the stream. You have the people that like know what they're doing and are just there to tell you that you're doing it wrong. And then you also have like the people that have like no idea what's going on. So they're just asking a thousand questions and you're like, as much as I want to help you right now, I'm trying to figure this out. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I can't answer this question because I don't know the answer. Yeah. And like it, it's like for some of my streams, like I do algorithm type questions. So this is like the typical question you'll see in a technical interview. And then some streams I'm doing like uh, doing like my own assignment or coding assignments um, or maybe a personal project that like it seems like depending on what type of content that I'm doing, you'd have different type of people that are um watching your stream so like for algorithm questions those are typically the people that are trying to learn a little bit more about um coding in general building out your algorithms how to optimize a solution um and for me um in terms of like doing these streams i'm not only the person that like I guess, can give the answers when it comes to like these algorithm type questions, but also I'm learning as well uh, as I'm coding. Um, so it's just like I'm learning from the community, um, pretty much coding as I go, that I call it, where it's like it puts it more into perspective um, when you're watching a stream like mine's because I, me personally, I'm a developer for six years as a full stack web developer, but even myself with all these years of experience, I don't have all the answers. And you'll see me make stupid mistakes. You'll see me have like syntax errors of missing semicolon. And it would take me like 30 minutes debug. And I'd be like uh, face palming 
the whole entire time once I figure out the answer uh, to my problems. But yeah, it's it puts, uh, I guess, my stream in general just puts it more into perspective um, when it comes to just learning with me, learning the fundamentals of like coding and just like programming languages in general. No, I love that. And I love that, like, one of the things that you were talking about there is like being being able to stream even though you don't have all the answers. Like, I think that that's, that's such a strange thing because, you know, one of the things that I've, I've always I've always tried to, like, tell people, like, you don't have to always put your best foot forward, but like at least show that you're trying to put your best foot forward. Like mm-hmm. no one expects everyone to have like all the answers a hundred percent of the time. Well, I'm wrong. The internet expects you to have all the answers hundred <laughs> percent of the time, but people in reality feel like it's easier to relate to someone who is struggling. And in fact, that's one of the things that we have in common is we both stream like late at night. And I can only imagine like, for me, when I'm streaming, I've been working all day. I get done with work and I'm like, all right, now it's time to start writing code for projects that I'm passionate about. And it's like, I'm so tired. Like, I can't <laughs> think about this. And and so many times I've just been like, all right, we're stream is over. Like, let's we're calling it here because I can't figure this out. And then the very next morning, like I come up with the solution in like 20 minutes. And I'm like, dang. I should have just went to sleep earlier and then I would have had the, problem, had the answer. <laughs> Do you have the same problem? Like, I know you stream late at night too, right? Yeah. I stream late at night here in New York. Um, so it goes to like, maybe I start my stream maybe around six or 7 PM, even though I've been wanting to start a little bit earlier, but I usually end my streams around like midnight, 1am. And I'm like, nah. I'm done. <laughs> You're like, nah. I'm done. I need to stop here or else I'm not getting any sleep. I'm, I must be get I must be coming an old man or something because it's like it'll be like ten thirty and I'm like nah I'm, I'm done <laughs> just it's a wrap. <laughs> so with that, like you you talk a lot about like the community that comes in into the streams and it's like chatting with you and stuff. Obviously, right now, like we're recording this in the middle of COVID season, so like ain't nobody doing physical meetups. Has nah. has streaming kind of been like the replacement for going to meetups and, and like local events? yeah well streaming in general like like for me personally before pre-covid um i've never went to any developer conferences to learn about new technologies and i guess this covid situation the i guess the pros out of this if you can call it that is that most of these uh dev conferences are now online and now you can just uh sign up most of them are for free um, you can go online and uh, learn something new. Uh, so for me personally, I've been focused mainly on React, but I've been dabbling into a little bit more about containerization, including Docker, Kubernetes, um, learning a little bit more about Node.js on the back end, and of course, just doing things and manipulating things to React. Man, everybody is talking about Kubernetes right now, like. I had, I had a, another friend of mine that was streaming. He's like, "Yeah, man, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get you on the Kubernetes. You love it." I'm like, "Or I could just keep doing my normal Python thing, you know." <laughs> <laughs> 
well let's let's break that down too because you said you you'd never been to a developer conference is that just like you and and there is no wrong answer here so like you can Mm -hmm. just be like nah it's too expensive and i don't like people like that like i'm i'm perfectly fine with that answer (laughs) because i agree with you in many ways on that one but but yeah like what's what's kept you from uh going to some of the developer conferences out there yeah i think one definitely is the cost because some of these developer conferences cost, I think, as low as maybe $200 to like thousands of dollars. And then um, paying for travel and lodging, it's just the, the cost adds up. And of course, I didn't have a, I didn't have a company that would pay for uh, me to travel to these conferences, although that would be ideal, but I didn't have that opportunity. I, I definitely get that. I mean, currently i'm I'm working as a marketer so when i tell them like hey i want to go to this event and they're like oh is it like adobe max and i'm like no it's pycon and it's in pittsburgh and it's for a week and they're like yeah no <laughs> you, can't, you can't you can take vacation and, and do that but uh take some time off on exactly. your own <laughs> and and i think that that's the thing that i hope I hope we learn from this this time of not being able to to gather in place. I mean, we watched some of the largest conferences in the world, some of the largest tech conferences in the world move to an online platform mm-hmm. and become available for the first time for so many people that whether you can't afford a ticket or you can't afford travel and things like that. One of like I think the second conference I ever went to, the only reason I went was because I split my hotel fare with a friend of mine. I got my flight covered by the conference organizers. So the only mm-hmm. thing I had to pay for, like in full, was my ticket to the conference. And the tickets were like 25 bucks. And it was oh, okay. like, so for like that, it was like, yes, this is this is exactly how I go to this conference. But mm-hmm. every other conference, like I like local conferences. I like the small, like two-day conferences that are like $50 for a ticket and you only got to get a hotel room for like a single night because ain't nobody trying to pay thousands of dollars out of their own pocket to go to an event. And Exactly. And you could just present it online. Like, I love how PyCascades, like, they live stream their conference. Like, the entire, like, if you don't have a ticket, that's fine. Just log on to YouTube and it's there. It's being presented live. And then like mm-hmm. North Bay Python, they do they work with a a company called Next Day Video, and we're literally giving the conference talk, and then getting an email like an hour and a half later, like, "Hey, do you do you consent to release this video onto YouTube?" And it's like, "Oh, dang, that was quick!" And like mm-hmm. literally, you got conference videos up the next day, and you're like, "This is what this is how it should be." Like, I'm glad that a lot of these places put their videos and stuff up, but. I love that there are smaller conferences that are able to be like, as soon as the talk is given, it's like, we're already getting it ready for the rest of the world to consume. Yeah. With this, I guess, with this whole COVID environment. Um, and once we go back to like a quote unquote normal, uh, I guess, environment or situation, um, I'm hoping, and I tweeted this out that I'm hoping all these like developer conferences have more, um, accessible type of uh, means of, uh, I guess, showing off the different keynotes and different workshops via like streaming tools like YouTube or Twitch. Um, 
and hopefully it'll be a little bit more accessible to developers who can't afford to go out to these um, conferences. Definitely. And and let's let's talk about the last like big project that you were doing, like when we were able to co- like all conglomerate together and like actually work together on projects in person. So um, I've learned about you through a live stream that you did with MongoDB about this this project that you put together for a hackathon. So uh, take a couple minutes, tell everybody about the hackathon, tell them about the project. And then uh, we'll take a few minutes and just dive into it because I I was like, this is a super dope project. I want to see like how we could take that, you know, to other areas like Atlanta, which I'm trying to move to right now. And everybody is like, like, don't move to Atlanta. You'll be a hashtag. It's it's bad news. And I'm like, ah, I want to go home. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, with MongoDB. Yeah, I... Um, I connected with uh, one of the developer advocates named Joe. Um, he hosts these community show and tells where um, you find developers that, of course, built something on the MongoDB platform. And it's just like um, just showcasing uh, different projects that we've done. And more specifically, the project that I did was this uh, data dashboard that we did for the NYC Coders Hackathon, um, which is uh, NYC Coders Hack for Black Lives. And it's supposed to be a hackathon um, that is uh, based on, or I guess trying to build solutions for and supporting the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, So for me and my team, we came up with utilizing uh, NYC Open Data, which is an open database for New York State, um, where you can find anything in terms of data ranging from um, public assistance to uh, number of jobs that are out there to the NYPD stats. Um, so what we wanted to utilize was um, this data set called shooting incidents. And then this data set had all the shooting incidents that occurred within New York City that was from the year 2006, I believe, uh, till now, 2020. And what we wanted to do with this data dashboard and this data set is to show the uh, disparities between races when it comes to shooting incidents. And what we found through building this tool and just um, displaying, I guess, displaying the data via um, data visualization tools like Leaflet and um, charts.js, we found that with every single year that was recorded, um, African-Americans by far had the or most involved in shooting victim incidents. Um, So they were the victims of shooting incidents um, that were about maybe like two or three times higher than any other race. Um, So it was just, we wanted to build out a tool that displays that disparity um, between races. And um, that was built in terms of like the tech stack. The tech stack was built front end was mostly React using um, Leaflet for a mapping and uh, Charts.js for writing bar graphs. And then on the back ends, uh, we initially wanted to do something 
like Firebase, but we realized uh, with the amount of writes and reads that we had in that huge data set that that was impossible. So we switched over to using MongoDB Atlas, which is like a free tool to utilize. Um, so you can just um, spin up a free cluster, and then we utilized MongoDB Realm, uh, which is essentially kind of like the API endpoint for the MongoDB database, um, where we come up with like cloud functions that uh, all our front end has to do is call that specific webhook um, or endpoint, as they call it, in uh, MongoDB Realm. And then it would basically query up the Pre up the data um, accordingly. And so we had one that displays all the um, all the shooting incidents by race, um, depending on the year, and you can select what year that you want, and depending on what year that you selected, um, the map and the bar graph view will change um, and show that disparity. But yeah, that's a little bit in a nutshell of the data dashboard. So I, I got a couple of questions with that. And, and before I do that, I want to make a quick clarification only because I don't want emails later. We are talking about the overall shooting incidents in New York City. We're not, yeah, talk, correct. We're not talking about any type of violence due to any reason. We're not talking about gang violence. We're not talking about drug violence. We're not talking about anybody. We're talking about the number of shootings in a location based by race. <laughs> so yeah. Again, number of victims in shootings. And, and that's the thing. That's the thing is it's not it's not necessarily about the crime that's happening. It's about who are the victims of these crimes that are happening, regardless yeah, correct. of who the persecute, who, who the person that is dealing, who is doing the harm. At that point, it's irrelevant. What we are seeing is there is a clear disparity in the number of victims in the African-American community. Um, due to gun violence. Now, mm -hmm. all of that said, <laughs> neither one of us are, at least I'm not, I, you might be, I don't know. I know you got, you got your degrees <laughs> and stuff. So I am not a political science major. I'm not. Neither am I. <laughs> okay, okay, good, good, good. I'm not a sociology major. I'm not a psychology major. Like I don't, I don't have any of those degrees that can tell me what correlations to tie together. And I think one of the cool things about this is we often hear the question, but what does the data show? Mm -hmm. And as someone who doesn't, who can't read, you know, just straight up JSON data and be like, well, looking at this trend, there's clearly some statistical evidence showing that, since this event happened, there's been a spike. Like, no, we can't do that. But what you've been able to do is you've been able to take a project that says someone who has a basic understanding of what a bar graph looks like, someone that can look at a map and know and tie a blip, you know, a dot to a victim in general mm -hmm. can read this and see that there is a clear problem. And that that problem is overwhelmingly affecting a particular group of people more than anyone else. And I, I think that that is so important that one data visualization, in my opinion, is probably one of the 
most important things we've been able to do. And it's also one of the most dangerous things that we've been able to do because people have figured out you can weaponize data. Like you can oh, take, yeah. you can take a bit of incomplete information and then spin it however you want. And I, I love that what you've done is you've looked at instead of collecting data and coming to a conclusion, you've taken the data that has been collected over years. Mm-hmm. Like I think you said didn't the open NYC data project, you said like when did it start? Uh it was like two thousand six. Okay, so almost 15 years worth of data you've been able to say look at this this is this is a trend line that isn't it, it wasn't collected based off of a blind survey it wasn't anything that we've done to to skew the numbers it is raw data and mm-hmm. i didn't realize that the data set that you pulled from had all that other stuff in there. I'm like, wait, hold on, what job stuff? <laughs> like, like, let's... Yeah, like, I think the most popular data set in, I guess, NYC Open Data is the amount of um, people applying to jobs and the amount of jobs that are out there. I guess right now it's even more popular because of uh, people who are out of jobs are trying to look for some. Um, but yeah, this, like, I don't know if any other states have as clear or clean data as New York City does. But um, but yeah, like using this data set allowed, I guess, allowed me to show the facts. And the facts are that African-Americans are about two to three times more, uh, more impacted by shooting incidents than any other race. And it's like, like for me, as you said, um, like when I, I guess when coming up with this um, project, uh, people always say like, oh, you might say that African-Americans are, um, are more impacted, but where's data? And if you give that a raw JSON or raw Excel spreadsheets to this person, they're going to be like, I can't read this. So we wanted to just um, plainly just lay out the facts uh, in a plain bar graph and plain maps, just so that there's no confusion um, over it. Like you can click year by year and see that African-Americans by far, I think every, every single year, no other race has come close in terms of uh, the number of shooting incidents. Now, if I remember correctly, this project, like, I mean, this, this was literally done in like a few days, right? This wasn't, this wasn't like 10 years of, of sweat equity and having to lobby and send like freedom of information acts to people. This was literally just you and some friends getting together and grabbing some data and building a thing. Yeah, luckily the data was there for us. Um, but yeah, it was just over the course of about three or four days um, just to build out something. Um, and we just decided to go at this. And yeah, that's pretty much it. I I, I say that because I, I want to encourage like people out there, like I'm guilty of this. I'm so guilty of being like, I want to do a thing, but it's going to take too long or it's, it's going to be you know, too much, too much of a hassle to pull data, like all this stuff. There is more information out there than people think. And yeah, it's often, it's not going to be, I mean, you're not, you may not be able to be like 
Google search, open data set, Mongo, you know, JSON, inner city here and state. Like you might have to look for it, but when you have, once you have the data, it doesn't take a long time to make sense of it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, let's say if you don't have a clean data set for, I guess, your area, you can, like, there are other ways to build a project. Uh, and like, I can give you tips on terms of like, if you're in a hackathon, what should you do in terms of building out a project that you want um, in that limited amount of time? I guess for me, tip one would be to uh, use the time for the hackathon to um, build on your personal learning uh, knowledge. Um, so like for me, when I came into this hackathon, um, I wanted to, I already learned a little bit of React, um, but I wanted to little bit, learn a little bit more about MongoDB, specifically MongoDB Realm, um, because I haven't utilized that in a project. And I only heard about Realm, the, um, I guess the week before at MongoDB Live. And I I was like, okay, this is the perfect time to utilize this API to build out a project somehow. Um, so yeah, that that's definitely tip one, number one. Um, use that time to like learn something. Uh, tip number two would be, um, even if you don't come out with a working prototype, at least you learn something. So, um, your goal isn't necessarily to come out with the fully fleshed out product or a prototype. As long as you got the concept and you worked hard um, during those three days or two days, um, that's all that matters. And then um, I guess tip number three would be um, treat that time in the hackathon as if you're on a real engineering team. Uh, so this includes working with others to, whether you're on the front end, the back end, um, working with others to build out issues or features that you want to add to the application, um, do code reviews, do testing, pretty much go through the cycle of an engineering team in those two days or three days that you have for the hackathon. Therefore, it puts you more in the mindset in terms of what actual real-life engineering teams are. So, yeah. And those are my uh, tips for being in Hackathon. I, I've only participated in, like, single-day events. And it's usually even like, a, hey, you got six hours. And, like, that's it. And it, it's mm -hmm. often that idea of the idea isn't to have something that you can throw in an app store or something that you can, you know, put behind a paywall and build a business off of that day. The, you know, like I said, the goal, is, or like you said, the goal is to learn and put yourself in a position of, for a little bit of time, we had a team that was focused on a single project and was able to flesh it out. And that's, that's one of the things that I've, I've done even on my own is to have, like single day projects where I'm like, you know what, this would be a really cool idea to do. And like, I'm going to give myself a couple of days and I'm going to pitch it to people and say, Hey, do you want to help work on this project? Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm going to need. 
Like, here's kind of the stack that I'm thinking about using. Are you down? And some people are like, yeah, let's do it. And some people are like, nah, I'm busy right now. And it's like, all right, that's cool. Like, you yeah. can still do something. Like, like I said, you know, you didn't have to go on Shark Tank and be like, hello, sharks. Today, I'm, I'm offering you this data, you know, this data visualization tool. Like, you're <laughs> like, I see a problem. I see information that we can utilize to show that there is a problem let's work together as a team to present something as as fleshed out as possible and one of the things that you didn't bring up in those tips that i saw that you did was you relied on tools that were already out there like i'm bad at this i am so Mm -hmm. bad at like seeing something and being like i want to build this thing from scratch like I'm going to build my own data layer. I'm going to build my own visualization component. I'm going to do all this. And it's like, no, 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 no. Get it working first. Like yeah. use, use your free trials, use, you know, whatever you can to just get use your AWS credits. Exactly. Like <laughs> Google a, Plus, lot, yeah. a lot of these things will, they will give you free resources for a limited amount of time. And you can use that to your advantage because I think about how many times I've sat there and talked to someone and they're like, oh, do you have experience with Firebase or do you have experience with, um, you know, MongoDB? And it's like, yes, yes, I do. Because I utilized a two week free trial on a dummy email account <laughs> one time and like put something together. You know, I, I used to use Heroku like that so often. I would get like the the free, like the super small dyno and mm-hmm. like get all the free plugins and just try to build stuff and that's that's how we learn because all the expensive stuff is literally those same free things just scaled up yeah correct so yeah like definitely there's a lot of free tools now um compared to like when i was in college uh there's a lot more free tools like as you mentioned firebase mongodb you can, in terms of databases, you can host your own database on your own computer. Um, and there's a lot more tutorials out there in 2020 than there were when I started college when it comes to programming. Um, because back then, YouTube uh, didn't have a lot of tutorials or resources to learn new things. So, yeah. So I'm like, definitely there's a lot of, I guess in terms of tools, there are like Code Academy. There's, um, trying to think. There's BentoBox.io, I think, or I think it's called Bento.io. If you're looking to be a web developer and you don't know where to start when it comes to web development, whether you're a fan of the front end, you're a fan of the back end, a little bit of DevOps, um, it can give you kind of like um, a track of courses that you uh can take to become like a front-end developer or a back-end developer so yeah and if you do have a little bit of cash that you can throw at it i mean there's there's stuff like skillshare there's stuff like udemy and like all those courses i will say you can get a lot for free if you look like you really can i mean there are people that have literally written books called like the hundred dollar mba and stuff like that so like the knowledge as you said, is much more available to us now. And if you can't 
find exactly what you're looking for, it is so easy to ask and get answers online. Like you can ask people stack overflow. Uh, I mean, you can try. You might get stack overflow. <laughs> you might get yelled at, but then there's also like, there's Twitter, there's Reddit. There's like, there's a bunch of places to where if you ask the right questions the right way, you mm -hmm. can get what you're looking for. I mean, I literally, I did this yesterday. I was just like, I'm writing docs for this project. And I'm like, man, I need to, I need a way to figure out like what, what areas of my code base still need to be documented. And I'm like, is there like a way to like a, a coverage package for like documentation? <laughs> and I just asked and people were like, nah, not that I know. You could do it this way though. And, or you could try this. And then someone was like, oh yeah, I did build this thing like two years ago that does that. And it's like, mm -hmm. when, when we just do stuff for the sake of doing it, we can then point to it later on and be like, here's, here's a resource. Like, have you, and I guess this will be the last question before we jump into the after show, but like, have you had anyone at this point want to like use your data visualization tool for like themselves for their own, whatever purposes? Oh, uh, well, I didn't, I haven't, had a person that come up to me like, hey, I want to use your data visualization tools for a project that they've been using, like, or that they've been doing. Um, so not really, but I did point them to, especially the data set that I utilized, um, where it's just clean cut uh, data that they can just use and manipulate, well, not manipulate in the, the bad sense way, but meaning uh, you can, uh, change the data to fit your database schema for your project. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it. Very cool. And, and that said, if you work for the New York Times, Vox Media, anybody like that, and you're trying to trying to get some good visualizations, then uh, I need you need you to call Wayne. Just <laughs> so no, he's, he's got the data. The data is there. It's all visualized. It's ready for you. You just need to give him a call. But uh, no, I've enjoyed this. I've enjoyed the conversation. I've got other questions, but we don't have time and oh, we got man. other stuff to do. So we're, we're definitely going to be keeping in touch, but let everybody know how they can get in touch with you. If they want to check this tool out, if they want to bring you in to work on maybe, I don't know, the Atlanta crime tool. Cause I'm telling you, I'm going to move there one day. I'm, I'm going back, but I'm going to need to keep an eye on the crime rate because it ain't looking good right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you can always reach me out on Twitter. My Twitter is at Wayne of Life. Um, on, Inst no, uh, on Instagram, at Wayne of Life. Um, LinkedIn, uh, you can find me. I think it's just linkedin.com slash in slash Wayne dash Jones. And you can catch me on my GitHub. Um, I can... I believe I has, have the data, dash, data dashboard as a repo on there. And I believe my GitHub is github.com slash Wayne dash Jones. I got to ask, is the dashboard open source? Yeah, it's open source. So All you right. can literally uh, go to the repo. I believe it's called data dash dashboard. Um, and you can just clone it and you can do whatever. Uh, if you want to add more visualizations, you can. Um, and feel free. It, if you want to add a feature to the repo, definitely 
do a pull request and then I'll check it out and add it to the uh, project. <laughs>